want you to take your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Where is um? There's Jen. I didn't steal this from you. I stole it from heaven. John chapter 15. I want to talk to you tonight about learning to receive from God. Learning to receive from God. I can do it. Y'all don't think I can do it, do you? <laughs> Kyle, it's terrible. If Billy Graham shows up, I'm out of luck. Life is just learning to receive from God and, and just let him work in you. And uh, we're going to look at something tonight, but I need to tell you before we look at it, um, if you're going to learn to walk with God, you're going to have to learn to let him teach. You have to learn how he speaks. And one of the most important things you'll ever learn about how he speaks to you and how he communicates with you, uh, Jesus said it this way, I will speak to them in parables. And if you can't understand parables, you can't, so much of the Bible's in parables. And you say, well, why does he speak in parables? You'll have to ask him when you get there. But he gives us things and then, and then we've got to see what's inside the para, a parable, a story, a mystery, and we got to find out what's in there. And this is a parable about life. And it's one of my favorites in all the Bible. It's a wonderful picture, one of the most encouraging pictures in the Bible. It's the story of the vineyard. And Jesus paints a picture and this whole passage is about receiving from God, how to receive from him. I want us to read a little bit in, and it's a parable and we're going to let him speak to us through the parable tonight. In John chapter 15, Jesus said this in John 15, 1, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Let me do a time out here. Can I get you to believe verse three? Can I get you to believe that everything that needs to be done for you to be perfect in God's eyes has already been done by Jesus. You are cl you're not clean because you're trying to be clean. You're clean because of what Jesus did at the cross. And he's spoken that to you. Verse four, abide in me, I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. You can't do it unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. What a relief. And in a little bit of verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and it is, and is withered. All right, this is a picture of the simplicity of Christ's life. This thing is not complicated. Simply put, you, you receive from Christ to give to people. That's all, that, that's all it says. It's all that you just receive from Christ to give to people. But if you don't learn how to receive from Christ, you won't have anything to give. And uh, the, the Christian life is often talked about as trying. If the word tries in your vocabulary, it's not Christian. That's just dead religion. You don't try to receive. You abide to receive. And this is about receiving from him so we can give to other people. All right, in this passage, now listen, Jesus said this. I want you to hear this. When Jesus sent his people out, and he's still saying this, he said to them, freely you have received, now freely give. You don't have to create it. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to come up with it. You don't have to grunt. You don't have to try. What do you have to do? To give something to somebody, what do you have to do? Freely you have received, freely give. You, you can't give what you don't have. Anymore than you can come back from where you ain't been. How do, how, do we, how do we bear fruit or give in this life? You have to receive something. And this is a passage about receiving from God. All right, there's the cast in this. Uh, there's five players in the cast. I want you to see if you can identify them. Some of them are pretty easy. Who is the vine? That's not hard. Who's the vine? 
Jesus. You, are you familiar? This is a picture of a grapevine. The vine's the big thing that comes out of the ground. It's the heavy, the trunk, you might call it. All right, that's Jesus. Who are the branches? That's us. We're the ones that are connected to the vine. Who is the vine dresser in verse one? My father. Now it's, it's, it's God, but it is the hand of God working in your life. It, you can call him the farmer, the vineyard owner. The, some Bibles call him the husbandman. But God Almighty is the one that's running. The, he owns the farm. For instance, in my orchard, in my vineyard, everything that goes on in there has got my hand on it. I'm the one that's running the thing. What a wonderful picture that God is working in my life. Somebody should write a song. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Wouldn't it be great if all things were working together for good to those who love God? All right, God is, God's in charge. He is the husbandman or the vineyard owner here. Number four, what the, this player, what is the fruit? Who is the fruit? The fruit is what I do for other people in my life. The fruit is what happens to other people. Now there's a fifth player in here and he's the most important one in here and a lot of people don't see him. All right, so let's go back to the picture. Follow this picture with me. Here's a vine. This vine comes out of the ground. It's a healthy vine. Jesus is, Jesus is life. Jesus is always healthy. I'm connected to Jesus. Something's happening out here in my life, which is the fruit. What is it you cannot see that's happening between the vine and the branch that makes this happen out here? There's something flowing out of that vine into that branch. In ag terms, we'd call it, well, the, the common term is sap. You do understand that the sap flows out of that vine into that branch, and it's the sap flowing through that branch that actually makes the fruit happen. You understand that? I don't know if you're agrarian or not. Some of you are TV, but you're not agrarian. But there's something, if you cut it off, you'll see it dripping out. Who is the sap in this passage? It's the Holy Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of Jesus. This, is a, this parable is actually about the work of the Holy Spirit in the earth. And it's about my being connected to Jesus so the Holy Spirit can work through me. And it's how we receive the Spirit of God into our lives and how He works in our lives. And the Bible tells you and I that there are four possibilities that can happen in this passage. And this is every believer, four things can happen here. And remember, here's, here's the picture. We're going to, now I want you to think in terms of the grapevine and, and the branches tonight. Number one, I, I have to, what is the only thing I have to do to see tremendous things happen in me and through me? What's the only thing I have to do? Look it up, verses four and five. What's the only thing I do? I just abide, that's it. Uh, I've got grapevines and, and I, I'm big on apple trees. This is apple tree pruning time of the year now. But the only thing those branches have to do in my little grapevines to bear fruit, all they have to do is what? Connect. All you have to do is connect, that's it. You just connect to the vine, the fruit will be there. I, I think I've told this before, I've never seen my vines struggle. I've, they've never grunted. You can't go in a quiet night and hear your grapevines going, ah. they, they don't try. Tell me the only thing they do, connect. This is so simple. All they do is connect. Obviously, this is a picture in scripture that I have to connect to the man, Christ Jesus, for the spirit of God to do things in me. It's that simple. And anything else that is not this is just dead, lifeless religion. It's not kingdom life. It's just a matter of connecting to Jesus. And to connect to Jesus, there, there has to be this ongoing relationship with the Son of God Himself by the Holy Spirit. It's not about going to church. It's not about memorizing Bible verses. It's not about trying to love my mother-in-law no matter how hateful she is. That, that's not bearing fruit. That's trying to love your mother-in-law even if she's hateful. 
go ahead and give up. I love one of the I love one of the parts of scripture I love so much. I just celebrate this part in verse five where it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you know what I hear God saying there? I don't expect you to do anything. I don't expect you to do anything without me. If you were raised in the camp I was raised in, that'd be good news all through the camp. All he does is just abide, just stays in Jesus by his spirit. Now the question is, can you see that if all I'll do is abide, everything good will happen out there? So what does that make the question? How do I connect with Jesus? How do I abide in Christ? What does this, does this mean to go to church or read my Bible? Or you know, There's got to be a connection in the spirit between me and Jesus. And that's all that matters. Nothing else matters. Let me give you three or four words that deal with connecting with Jesus. Let me give you four. And uh, these are really popular words in American Christianity today. So I'm going to use them. Number one, holiness. Holiness is one of the favorite words everybody uses all the time. Everybody just loves holiness. They love to talk about it. Not do you know what holiness simply means? It's I just choose a lifestyle that'll let me connect to God. All right, I have a wonderful marriage. I'm married to what I believe is the greatest woman on earth. I love her dearly. And we, we've got a great marriage. We, we enjoy each other. We've been married for 38 years now. And, uh, but there are some stipulations to that marriage. It's not automatic and permanent. I mean, it's not guaranteed until Jesus gets back. And one of the stipulations is I'm not allowed to date other women. <laughs> At this age, who wants to? But I'm not allowed to. You understand that? It would, it would create a problem in our marriage if I were dating other women regularly. Am I being over your head here? What is it the American church can't get about be ye holy because I am holy? What can we not get about he who... If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we can have fellowship with one another. I bet you if I began to spend two or three nights a week with another woman, my wife would probably stop talking to me. I'm going to keep this so simple a child can get it. Would you agree? How many of you would blame her? Oh, aren't we brutal? If I started spending the night with other women, she'd quit talking to me. If I choose sin, God has to quit talking to me, even if he wants to, even if he loves me. I sever the relationship with sin. The, the first thing I have to do to abide, what's the first word of the gospel, dear ones? I don't know if you ever heard, if you've heard it from here, you heard it. What's the first word of the gospel? Believe, repent. You have to stop doing certain things to have a relationship with Jesus. I had to agree, this preacher, this over the top, overbearing preacher made me promise to quit dating the day he married us. He told, he said, forsaking all others. I said, whoa, 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 why didn't you let me read this stuff before I got up here? That was the deal. If you get her as a wife, you gotta, you gotta forsake all others. That's part of the deal. He said, man, I feel sorry for you. I think I came out good. She might not, but I think I came out good. Do you understand that to have a love affair with one woman you have to turn your back on other women. To have a living relationship with God, there's some things you're going to have to give up. This is the gospel that's not being heard in our land now. That's the word repent means. Like I have to quit cussing people out to abide in Christ. Y'all didn't know that? I have to quit hating people to have a relationship with Christ. You just have to give some things up. I cannot connect with Jesus if my fist is in his face. 
Okay, that's, that's, that's just part of it. This is why a lot of believers never have the Spirit of God moving in their lives. They, they won't turn their back on sin so they can have a relationship with Jesus. So number one, holiness. Number two, the second word uh, in, the, in this group is faith. I have got to believe the Spirit of God is going to touch me. I've got to believe I can connect with God. I'm not talking about with just his words. I've got to believe I can connect with God in the spirit. If, if you don't believe it'll happen, guess what? Turn with me to Luke chapter 11. It's just, just a little ways back there. Luke chapter 11. I want you to get an understanding from scripture that apart from me, you can do nothing. And that literally means that if the Holy Spirit of God isn't working in your life, you, you can never accomplish anything of any value. We have got to have the touch of God on our lives. That, that's what it means to abide so things happen. And I want to show you the great passage about God promising to touch your life with His Spirit if you're a believer. And it's in Luke chapter 11, where the Bible said to, to, to you and me, Luke chapter 11, verse 9, Jesus speaking, I say to you, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you'll find, knock, it will be opened. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, it will be opened. How many of you believe that? All right, tell me what it, now don't answer quick because this is a trick question. Most people don't know what they're talking about here or what he's talking about. He's not talking about asking for your bills being paid. He's not talking about asking for healing. He's talking about one thing here. And what is it? It's in, well, you can look down and read it. Verse 13, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is not, now he will pay your bills. He promised to do that. He, he promised all kinds of wonderful things. But this passage about asking and believing, God's going to touch me with his Holy Spirit. It pertains only to the Holy Spirit here. And here's the, the to, to, you talk about a word of encouragement when he said in verse 11, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, what's he going to do? If my son were hungry, how many of you think I'd feed him? Is this hard? You know what he's saying? Son, I'll, I'll give you the Holy Spirit of God working in your life quicker than you'll feed your children. I've got to believe that. I've got to believe that if I want to connect with God, his spirit will come inside of me and do something in me and do something through me. I've got to believe he promises to connect with me. And uh, then, of course, he made the illustration in the last verse we read there. If you being evil compared to me, I'm not an evil. I'm a good father. But compared to him, I'm evil. In other words, he's so much better than I am. If you being evil will give good things to your children. How many of you give good things to your children? God Almighty will let the Holy Spirit work in your life quicker than you'll feed your children. I believe that. I've got to have faith. I've got to believe that if I can connect with Christ, the Spirit of God will come inside of me and do something in my heart. And listen to me. We're not talking about fuzzy theory here. It's real. I experience the Spirit of God. And I experience Him working through me. And I've got to believe that if I'll connect with Jesus, I'll see something happen through me. It'll be there. I'll just go, there, there He is. I know that's Him. And I'll see, I'll, I'll see Gomer Powell things. Golly. Gomer Powell things are where you just go, look what he just did. You say, well, you're a preacher. That doesn't mean anything. This is for every believer. And you've got to believe God's spirit will work in my life. He'll do something. He'll touch me. He'll work inside of me. The third word is the word after holiness and faith is the word seek. This is just a principle of the kingdom we've got to learn. To find God, you've got to look for him. I could quote all kinds of scriptures that 
listen, if I want God to draw close to me, what do I have to do? James 4, 8, draw close to God. He will draw close to you. Now I'm saved, but I, his spirit might not be working in me. But if I want God's spirit, I've got to seek him. I've got to go after him. One of the, one of the first verses I've memorized, Mark 1, 35, Jesus rose early, a long while before daylight, departed to a lonely place and there he prayed. Do you think Jesus went to pray so he could confess his sins? He went to pray so he could connect with his father. And so he could be touched by God. And I've got to believe that if, that if I'll seek God and, and, and that, that my seeking initially without any feeling on my part, God will meet me. But one of the great passages he taught me this in is Exodus chapter three. Remember Moses in the desert? Remember he saw the burning bush and he said, I will turn aside and see what this is. I want you to listen to the next verse. When God saw that Moses turned aside, he spoke to him. When did God speak to him? When Moses went over looking for him. And I've got to believe that if I'll seek God, that his spirit will come to me and work inside of me. He said, well, why can't he initiate it? This is a faith life, dear ones. I have to take the first step. But I believe I can go seek God and he'll come and meet me in his spirit and he'll touch me. And it takes, a, it, you got to seek, you got to live your life seeking God. God's doing great things in the earth today. Amen. Does he do it for people because they deserve it? Why does he do it? Well, let me quote it to you. Without faith, it's not hard. It is impossible to please God because he who comes to God must believe he exists. And number two, he rewards those who diligently seek him. God doesn't reward people who can go a week without cussing, although I'm, I, I would encourage you not to. God rewards people who say to him, I'm looking for you. I need you. I've come to find you today. And I've got to believe I can connect with him if I want to. I've got to believe I can meet him. Now, if I want to spend time with my wife, I've got to leave my job and go to my house. Amen. It's not hard. If I want to connect with God, I've got to turn aside from my routine and wait on him. Did you know that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength? If you can't lose it, why do you need to renew it? I'm going to make an announcement about this whole thing. You know what I learned from this? We leak. So brother, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll be empty by dark. And then you can get filled up tomorrow morning. We're like batteries. If they're invent a trolling motor on a boat that you don't have to recharge the battery over and over, I will be in heaven on this earth. Just about the time I'm fixing to break a world record. Can I be honest with you? It bothers me that I run out of the spirit. I wish he'd touch me with atomic spirit for the rest of my life. I get one day's portion every day. I have to go to him and let him. This is exactly what you, you got to seek him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. However, have his touch, whatever you want to call it. Let's don't get hung up over terminology. The fourth word is fellowship. I wake up in the mornings now. I, I by faith, I celebrate and praise God. I'm, I'm glad I'm alive and I am thankful to be alive, but I feel like crap. You people that get up feeling good, you make me sick. I just, I'm old. I'm old. I don't feel all that good when I wake up. I creak. Mama said, we need new furniture. I said, that's me creaking. I creak when I wake up. I don't, now I, I praise God and celebrate by faith because I know and I eat my, maybe it's because I eat oatmeal. You're sausage and egg and I'm oatmeal and no wonder you feel good. They say, you better eat oatmeal. I eat my oatmeal and, and, and then I go get quiet and I open that Bible 
and there's a sweet presence that comes. And, and that's called fellowshipping with God. Then when you got to connect with God to be filled with his presence. That's called abiding in him. And let me, let me explain this to you. I can't tell you how to do this one, two, three, four, five. Anymore than I can tell you how to go home and love your wife. I can tell you you need to, but you're going to have to figure that you're going to have to work through this on your own. See, I could say, well, you need to go and love your wife. Tell me how. Sit down on couch. Put an arm around shoulders. Kiss on cheek. Say something nice. <laughs> you can't. It's not one, two, three relationship. It's a relationship. When he sees you want to meet with him, I promise you he's ready to meet with you. And, and you draw alone and you, that's, what's that called? Being connected to God. That when the branch connects to the vine, something's going to flow through it. And when it flows through it, something great's going to happen. The fruit's going to be out there. And what's the most important thing you and I ever do according to this passage? Connect with God. The greatest invitation in the world after you're saved are these simple words, abide in me. Connect with me. Connect with me, connect with me so that my spirit can come inside your life and work inside of you. Now, <clears throat> the Bible said if I'll learn how to receive, and Bible, that's called learning how to receive from God. Learning how to connect with God's where you go to him to receive from him. And remember, I can't give what I don't receive from him. I, if he don't give it to me, I don't have it in the, in the faith. All right. Now, the Bible said if I learn to connect with God, what will happen in my life? He who abides in me bears what? Much fruit. All right. How do I know I'm connected with God? Fruit's out there. Now, let me talk to you about the fruit a minute. And, and the, the second thing that can... Uh, that can happen as we begin to receive to give. Here, here's some examples of fruit. Dear ones, everything I give you, I've got to get from God. I, don't, I can't make it happen. Let me show you one of my favorites. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. See if you've ever needed this. Have you ever been in a place where you were struggling? Suffering, hurting, confused? Have you ever been in a place where your heart was hurting? And you were suffering? Or maybe you'd gone through something that was hard on you. And, and I just, you know, now in, in public, we, you know, we put on a good face. But you'd be surprised people are hurting on the inside. Even the proverb says, the outward smile may have pain on the inside. Well, when we're suffering, you know what we need? You see, you need to suck it up. Well, th there may be a time to be strong, but you know what we need when we're suffering? We need for God to come help us. We need for God's spirit to draw close to us and help us. That's what this wonderful picture is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where the Bible says, that, I love this. Watch verse 3. 2 Let me pause here. You say, why do you always say you love it? I love it all. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of what? How much comfort? If there's any comfort in this earth, guess who's behind it? And you know what comfort is here, don't you? All right, well, let's read a little bit further here. Verse four, who comforts us in all our, what's tribulation mean? Troubles, hard times, difficulties. Tell me what God wants to do every time I'm suffering. I see the word comfort. It is the Greek word. See if you've ever heard this. That word comfort is the Greek word parakleton. You ever heard the word paraclete? Jesus said, I will send you another helper. And the Greek word for the Holy Spirit there was paraclete. Paraclete, paracleton, two Greek words. Para, leo, clete, 
speak. Here's the picture. We're going to have somebody standing right there and they're hurting and they've been through something hard with their family or there's something in life. And I, I walk up to them. I come para, parallel with them. I put my arm around them and I talk to them and I say, I've been there. God's going to help you through this thing. I'm praying for you. God's going to make a way. And when I get done, they say, I feel much better. You know what just happened? I comforted them. I paracleted them. I paralleled myself to them. I walked up to them and I spoke to them. What does the Bible say God wants to do every time I'm suffering? He wants to walk up beside me, put his arm around me and talk to me and comfort me. Wouldn't it be great if we would learn how to connect with him so that he could comfort us when we go through difficult times? How great would it be to get along with God and let the Holy Spirit just come and just heal and comfort and encourage and refresh? How many of you, when your kids were little, you did this? Listen, when my kids were little, I do it now. When my kids were little and I saw them crying or hurting, man, I'd pick them up, set them on my lap. I'd soothe their pain. I'd wipe the tears away. I'd tell them it's going to be all right. And then I'd get them laughing. I know y'all don't think God laughs in your church. Read it. And, and I would comfort my children. What does the Bible say here? If we'll learn how to connect with him, he'll comfort us every time we're hurting. All right. You see, I go to God to receive what? Comfort when I'm suffering. I go to him to receive comfort. Now, I, he's, he's comforting me. And, and I've just learned how to let God. I have. I've learned how to let God comfort me. Somebody said recently, said, hey, nothing bothers you, does it? Well, that's not the issue. I've learned how to be comforted. Amen. I've learned how to be encouraged in the presence of God. Now, guess why, guess why we do that? I abide in him so I can bear fruit. What's the fruit of comfort? Let's read it. Verse four, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort we experience from God. So I abide in him to be comforted from him and because God has so encouraged me and comforted me when I see people hurting and I go and I put my arm on them, comfort them. What's that called? That's the fruit. I've learned how to abide in him and be comforted so I can comfort people. Guess what? And I am. I'm one of the best comforters in the world. I know you don't. I know you think I'm an agitator from up here. But privately, I'm a pretty good comforter. I mean, I can, I can just pray with people and love on them and encourage them. Guess where I got that from? I got that from abiding in him. The comfort he comforts me with is what I do for other people. You see how this works? I receive comfort from God so I can give it to people. This is how life works. You learn how to receive from God so you can give it to people. And I've, I've met people that just, they're very uncomfortable. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've met some doctors got that bedside manner. You know, they, they, you just got diagnosed with cancer. They say, hope you make it. I think, I guess that's why the preacher's here. You know why they are not real good at that? Because they're not receiving it. You can't give what you don't receive. Our goal is not to try to do something. It is to receive from God. So we, it's to abide in him and receive so we can give out. Let, let me give you another one that is so wonderful. Uh, I believe we need to live in the presence of God and let him touch us so we can experience his love for us. I believe we need to let God not just love us. I believe we need to let God love on us. Now, my wife loves it. She's loved me every day for 38 years. Well, I, actually more than that. That's when we just made it official, you know, paperwork and all that. And uh, we've been married 38 years. She's loved me every moment of my life. She's never, she's never hit me or she's never raised her voice to me one time in 38 years. And I know she loves me. I know she does. But there's, 
there's a big difference in knowing that she loves me and when she puts them arms around me, golly. Now see, she loves me even when I'm not there. And I know she loves me, but it's just so much more fun when she loves on me. I'm on marriage tonight in case y'all didn't notice. It is good to know that God loves me. I read that in the Bible. You know what I really like is when his Holy Spirit comes and loves on me and touches me. And he baptizes my heart with the presence of his love. Well, here we go again. I've learned to abide in God and let him love on me. I've learned to get with God and let him touch my heart with his love. That's found in Romans chapter five, verse five. The love of God is, you see, if I know he loves me, that's my head. But if he touches my heart, that's the love of God poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been like in a song service or something or somewhere praying maybe all of a sudden you just felt the love of God just flow over you like a river? He loved you before that happened. That was him loving on you. Now I love people and I, do, I love on people a lot. You know why? I let him love on me. And I abide in him, let him love on me. Therefore, I bear the fruit of love in my life. I just love to love people. I just love to love people, encourage them. And, and you know why? I'm, t- I'm sucking it in from heaven. I'm abiding in him. What is the fruit? That's when we love people with the love God's touched us with. And is this hard or what? I go to the bank. They hand me a handful of $100 bills. I walk around and hand them out. This ain't tough. I go to God. He loves on me and I just bear fruit. I go to God. He comforts me and I just cheer people up. This is abiding in him and bearing much fruit. And, and these are just, just a few of the ways that he does it as we abide in him in our lives. Tell one of the other areas that we need to get with God about. We need to get with God about wisdom. There's a lot of confusion in the earth. People are making bad decisions. They don't know what to do. Let me tell you something. Proverbs chapter two, the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes understanding. And I baptize my life with the word of God and the spirit of God so that I will know how to live life so I can share it with people. And if you want to help your kids, get help from God on how to live so you can talk to your kids about life or people around you. you people, people need, you know what wisdom is? It's the ability to live life skillfully. We got a lot of, lot of knowledge today, but not much wisdom in the land. But you've got to walk with God to get his wisdom. And uh, I've, I've told people, do this, try this, try that. And they'll go, I never thought of that. Well, I didn't think of it. I got it by abiding in him. And you can go right on down the list. Everything we do in life, one of the great needs of this land today is hope. You cannot get in the presence of God and not come away going, something good is about to happen. This screwed up family is going to thrive again. I'm going to see the best. God's going to work a miracle in me. God's got great. You just can't come away from him going zippity doodah. I mean, just, (laughs) he is the God of hope. Listen to what the Bible said. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing that you might what? Abound in hope or our word excitement by the power of the Holy Spirit. You go connect with God, you'll come away thinking something good is going to happen. And that's why I love to tell people, God's working on your behalf. I love to give people hope. Guess why I can give people hope? Because I get it. You see how this works? You receive and then you give. So this is what it means that we abide in him. Who's the player? Who's the big player in all this picture of the branch, the vines, the vineyard? Who's the big player? The Holy Spirit of God. And I connect with Jesus and the Holy Spirit flows into me and then he flows out like that. This is called faith. This is kingdom life here. And uh, that, that's just how, we, and you can go right on down the list. 
All right. The third possibility in this passage is called, this is one everybody likes. It's called pruning. How many of you love to be pruned? Well, if you want to bear fruit, you got to be pruned. How many of you know that my heavenly father is the smiling pruner? I just want you to get this picture of God. Number one, I want you to get to pick. We got to stop picturing, dear ones. We got to stop picturing God as the wizard of Oz who's demanding. We got to start picturing God as the fountain who gives. The river who gives life. The vine that gives life. And instead of trying to make him happy, you go to him to receive. All through the scripture, there is a river that flows from the throne of God that makes glad the city of God. And we got to learn that Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. That's not a demand. Let's come to me and eat. If any man's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. You got to start seeing God as the source where you go get everything you need from. But I want you to also see this picture of him right here. He's standing here smiling at you because he loves you. And in his hands, he's going like this. Got that pruning shears down there. He's grinning. You might as well grin. It's his vineyard. Pruning's not as bad as people make it out to be. I, I love pruning. And uh, we prune. Why do we prune? What did the Bible say? Every single person that bears fruit, my father prunes that you might bear more fruit. This is good. This is good. I want to look at the pruning picture. And uh, I, do, I do know about pruning. I'm pruning for apples right now. I'll be pruning for grapes for a long. There are three reasons that you prune uh, in, in fruit and in the kingdom. Number one, I have to prune to cut out disease. As I'm pruning my apple trees right now, if I see blight at a joint in the tree somewhere, I'm going to cut, the whole, I'm going to cut that whole uh, limb out. You say, well, why would you be so ugly to do him that way? What happens if you don't cut the disease out? Kill your tree. Better to get, get the disease cut out than to lose the tree. Y'all understand, I had to carry a tree off this past week because it got death in it and I didn't notice it. And so I just had to cut it up and take it out of the orchard. All right, what is, the, what is the disease in my life that ultimately ruins my family, my home, my church, everything, my health? Sin. He's doing you a great favor to get the sin out. And he's going to prune that out of there. And let me help you. Go ahead and cooperate. But, and I want you to read this sometime. Does it say that he will prune every branch? Where are you going to hide? Somebody that big jumps on you, you might as well holler uncle. Just pray this. You know, why do we run from God when we sin? Let's be like David and run to him. Listen to this prayer David prayed. Search me, O God. See if there's any unclean, see if there's anything in me that's going to hurt my wife, my family, my friends, me. Search me, O God. See if there be any disease, unclean way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Listen, I've had people say, well, God's going to prune you. He'll whack you upside the head with a two by four. God have mercy. Change God's. Oh my goodness. No, no. God is for us. He is good. Uh, he, you know how he prunes? He prunes right here. He convicts of sin. He don't whack you upside the head with a two by four. I've heard too many country preachers in my life. He don't put disease on people to train you. God have mercy. What a monster. I watched, don't watch Christian television. Watch okra. 
I watched a preacher on Christian television tell a man God couldn't get your attention so he killed your child, didn't he? Come on, guys. This is being preached in this land. What kind of God is that? Who kills children? The devil in hell does. God prunes me right here. If there's something in my life that's going to hurt somebody, he convicts my heart so I can get it out. So you, you prune to get disease out. The second reason you prune, a lot of people don't realize this unless you work with trees like I do in vineyards. You prune to get light in. People like big leafy. It looks impressive when you got a, you let your tree grow up and it develops a canopy and it gets big. Well, you're blocking the sunlight from the middle of the tree where the fruit is. Or grapevines, you get them real bushy. They look good. Them leaves are blocking the light to the fruit. You got to get light inside to have fruit. In vineyards, it starts a process called photosynthesis. That light touches certain parts, which causes the sap to come and build and make the fruit. And if you're, you got too many leaves, the light can't get into the heart of the vineyard, the vines, so you can have fruit. Well, see, he pruned, I'm pruning right now. I'm cutting good stuff off. I cut about every other branch off in my apple trees because I want light to get in there. My goal is not to be impressive and big and leafy. My goal is fruit. All right, so I'm cutting every other branch off. I want light to get in there. You get it? God's going to take some things out of my life that aren't that bad so that the light of Christ, the spirit of God can get inside of me and work. And, and some of the pruning, I'm not pruning off dead stuff. I'm just pruning off stuff that's blocking the light. I'll give you an example. I got preacher friends that play scratch golf. You don't know what scratch golf means. It means they're really good at it. And they're really bad preachers. <laughs> and their churches are dead because they spend all their time on the golf course. Now golf is not sin. I think it's strange that a man would hit a ball and walk over and hit it again, but it's not sin <laughs> when he could be fishing, but it's not sin. <laughs> but if you spend all your time playing golf, which is not a sin, when are you going to walk with God? Well, how are you going to develop anything of eternal value? You understand what I'm saying here? So my friends, I've encouraged them. You need to put your golf clubs up and get your Bible back out Amen. and get involved in what God's doing in the earth. And listen, how many of you he'll cut relationships out of your life? He'll move people away from you. I want you to believe what the Bible says. He is very active in your life. How many of you know he'll turn your plans around? You know what they call your plans in heaven? Comedy. When our heavenly father feels like laughing, he says, Gabriel, play their plans for me again. How many of you would agree that he'll dump your plans upside down to produce more fruit. How many of you live long enough to look back now and say, he really disappointed me and it was for the better now that I see it. Garth Brooks, that great hymn writer of yesteryear, wrote one of the greatest hymns ever written, did he not? I thank God for unanswered prayer. What if he'd have married that girl? I tremble when I think about, mm, never mind. But you and I've got our plans. We've got our stuff and, and our heavenly father. So he's going, I need to get that out of there because that, that's ultimately going to, it's not going to serve a purpose. That's what pruning is. It's when you shape something for your, for your big purpose and you got to get stuff out that's not bad. It's just not, it's not helping us. And uh, I'm, I'm turning, when I do my trees, I turn them upside down. Let trees grow naturally. They grow like this, like an upside down pyramid. I want them to grow like this like a Christmas tree, uh, inverted, like a normal pyramid. Because when they're like this, they block the light. When they're like this, the light can get in. I want my life to be ordered so the light of God's spirit can get in here and his word can get in there. So you prune uh, for disease. 
you prune to get the, get the light in. But number three, you prune to increase fruit. Now this is where you, to, to, with fruit, real fruit, you have to sort of know what you're doing to increase fruit. All right, I'm gonna go through, I'm gonna look on my vines and I, I like to do it right when they start budding and I'm gonna see buds. I gotta know which buds to get rid of. I know the difference between a bud that bears fruit and a bud that grows leaves. And so I'm gonna, and apples too. I'm gonna cut, I'm gonna find the buds that bear fruit and I'm gonna put a, a 90 degree angle cut right there because if I let this grow over here, it'll make a real pretty leafy branch. This will suck the nutrition away from the fruit. Yeah. I want the fruit to grow. You gotta, you gotta remember, God's goal is fruit. Yeah. How's another way you can say that? God's goal is to show this world what Jesus looks like through you. Amen. He don't want you to do it. Don't try to be like Jesus, you'll booger it up. You don't know what booger it up means, it's a theological term. Don't, you'll booger it up if you try. Then you'll start producing that falsy fruit. Like it's on grandma's table. From a distance, it looks all right, but you bite that sucker and see what it does. You got me? Please don't be a falsy. Don't produce fake fruit. Don't grit your teeth and love somebody. Don't grit your teeth and try to be patient. Don't give till it hurts. It's not supposed to hurt. Listen to me. Quit doing that stuff. Quit gritting your teeth and loving. Quit giving even if it hurts. If it hurts, don't give. I may have ever thought you'd hear a preacher say that. Listen to me. Don't grit your teeth. Don't. Go to God. Go get with God. And let him flow his love through you. And you'll just be going, watch this. Zap. That was easy. And enjoy giving. I knew I'd get one, maybe two amen out of that. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Somebody should make a saying. It really is more blessed to give if God's in it than it is to receive. I get far greater joy out of giving. D don't try to do it. Go to God. We've been told all our lives in, in churches, you got to try to be patient with people. You got to try to be kind. That's not biblical. The word is abide. Uh, here's what I've learned. How many of you know when you're running out of gas? When I was younger, I was a master at running out of gas in my truck. I, I ain't no telling how many times I've done it. I just made an art out of it. It got humorous. My, I, I'd, I'd pull up my cab. My wife would say, let me guess. I just ran out of gas. I did it twice in one week, one time. <laughs> ran out on a motorcycle one time. She saw the guy from the Harley Davidson place said, I wish I'd put a gauge on that thing so he wouldn't run. He said, there's two on there. Tell him to watch them. There's a gauge and there's a yellow light. Tell him when the yellow light comes on, pull over. I just, I just had this thing about how far can I go? Mm. Well, after you walk a few times and thumb and you know what I've learned now? Don't get near empty. When you're down to about three, you know, down to a quarter, fill up, doofus. I'm talking to me. And I've just learned, you get, matter of fact, I filled up today. Wasn't even down to a quarter yet. I, I just, I guarantee you, my wife would have said, you, are you sick? What's going on here? How many of you can sense when you're running out of Holy Ghost? Here's what I've learned. Don't wait till you run out. For my sake, don't wait till you run out. I, I just, when I drove a truck, uh, matter of fact, at the Flying J, when I was driving local, every morning, the first thing I'd do is go to Flying J and fill up. I only had a hundred gallon tank at that time. And you know, you'd use about that much during a day's time. I only had a hundred gallon tank. First thing I do in the morning is go fill up. Guess what? And I guess what? I never ran out one time. 
I'm a star now. Let me tell you, I've learned about life. First thing I do every morning, I just go to God and fill up. I need my heart softened. I need his encouragement. I need his tenderness in me. I need his love. I need his peace. I need his hope. I need his patience. So I've just learned, biggers, don't, don't try to, don't drive on empty, son. Dear ones, don't drive on empty. Jackson Brown was wrong. You don't need to be running on empty. You need to fill up every morning. This is life, dear one. This is all it is. Connect with God, fill up, go dump it on the world. That's all it is. It's that simple. And we, we prune to get fruit. That's why we've got to prune just right. I know the little inside, they're about that long little inside stubbing branches. That's where, the, that's where most of your fruit comes from. Don't touch them. But this one that looks so pretty over here, that ain't nothing but green. Cut it off. Even if the vine goes, ah, cut him off. I'm not getting any fruit out of this, so let's cut it off. That's, that's, that's what pruning that's what pruning's all about, is just cut it loose, even if it's good. All right, there's one more, uh, one more thing that can happen in this passage. Let's read it. It's in verse 6. Turn back with me to John chapter 15. One more thing that can happen here. How many of you know when you're running out of gas, running out of the Spirit? How many know when you're running on flesh? Do you believe other people can tell it? Do you think your wife can? Do you think your preacher can tell it? One of the funniest things in the Bible, John chapter 2, just stay in John 5, John chapter 2, Jesus uh, went to the wedding. Remember, he goes to the wedding. That's where he turned water into wine. Well, it's just grape juice if you've got a Baptist Bible. Jesus turned water into wine at that wedding. Won't you listen to what his mother said? They had wine to start with. Remember that? Because it ran out. Jesus' mother said one of the most profound things in that passage. She came to Jesus. She said, they have run out of wine. How did she know that? Same way you and I should know it. I can get around people and I can say, ooh, they have run out of wine. Well, Jesus didn't kill them because they'd run out of wine. He didn't curse them. What did he do? He just made more. The, am I too complicated tonight? Are we too deep tonight? Just when you run out of wine, just get him to make more. And, and, and I'll tell you what, dude, since Jesus' mother, and you know, Jesus wasn't married. You know how I knew he wasn't married? Because if he'd, if he'd have been married, his wife would have told him you're out of wine. That's what would happen right there. <laughs> but he didn't have a wife, so your mama fills in when your wife can't do it. And his mama said, uh, they don't have any wine. Why don't you just, uh, let me encourage you to do something. Let's, ha let's have some homework. You ready? You're not ready, are you? Let's have some homework. Why don't you tell your wife, sweetheart, when you, when you notice me running out of wine, would you be kind enough to point it out? Wouldn't that be good? Uh, honey, let me point something out here. You, you ain't got, you, you've been out of wine for a while there. <laughs> Ask your boss to do it. <laughs> this is not complicated. When you run out, fill up. And you know, what, you know what they did? They just went to Jesus. This is my life calling in that passage. They went to Jesus and they said, we don't have any wine. And you remember what he said? There were six stone cold, empty religious vessels good for nothing. Empty. That's a picture of us without wine. <laughs> Cold, empty, good for nothing. Religious as the Pope, good for nothing. I'm not knocking the Pope. Just, just no life in there. And what did Jesus say? Kill them. Jesus said, fill them up with water. 
you pour the water of his word inside of your empty, cold life, it'll come back out as fresh wine for people to enjoy. And you just, when you're out, go get more. This is called Christianity in the Bible. You don't need to be condemned. You need to be filled. You don't need to beat yourself up. You need to pull in and fill up. You don't need to quit God. Run to God. This, this, this is all it is. Just fill up. You know what I think is terrible? A friend of mine just bought a new Chevrolet pickup truck. We're still friends. <laughs> he took me for a ride and he paid $72,000 for that truck, which is more than I paid for my first house and all three of my children. <laughs> yeah, because my kids are about 15,000 total at the hospital. I mean, I paid a lot more after the initial down payment. <laughs> and I'm riding in nothing. You know what I'm thinking? I don't care how you paid that. And it's, I mean, that thing will make coleslaw on the dash. It's got everything in it. It's high tech, computers all over it and all that mess. But you know what? You let it run out of gas, it ain't worth nothing. <laughs> Diesel in this case. Dear ones, I don't care how well educated you are. I don't care how fancy you are. I don't care how big your tires are. <laughs> you run out of gas, you're going to be sitting on the side of the road and you can't take nobody nowhere. This is, this is so easy, so good. Let's look at one more, and that is to be severed, severed. Uh, John 15, 6, the Bible said this, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. That's, that's not pruning, that's severed. You've been cut off from the vine. And what happens when you get cut off from the vine? Is fruit gonna grow there or not? Nothing. If you, if you don't connect with God, God can't work through you. The love of God will disappear in your life. It'll dry up. The hope of God will dry up in your life. The, the joy of God will just, you'll start having to grunt and struggle. The flow of God gets cut off in you by the Holy Spirit and that nothing, you can still go to church and be good and try, but it's not God working. If you don't connect, he can't work. Right, I was in the orchard this past week. <clears throat> And I had a competing trunk. I, 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 I do a, a single liter pruning thing. And I had two main trunks going up one tree. I don't need both of them. One of them will compete with the other. So I took the chainsaw and cut one of them out and carried it off. Threw it down there in the pile. And I'm going to go back to just make sure. I'm going to go back and look. And I bet you three months from now, when it's time, there won't be any apples on that one. Guess why? I cut him off from the source. Can you see it here? Jesus said, if you don't abide in me, you're going to be cut off from the source and you're going to, what does wither mean? You slowly start losing the joy, the peace, the excitement, the passion. You don't hear God's voice anymore. You don't sense his presence anymore. You, you're just going through the motions in your own strength. Christianity is not going through the motions in your own strength. I remember Dr. Brown told me, he said, you can't do anything that Bible says to do until you obey the command of Ephesians 5.18 until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Until you learn to let God's power come in your life, nothing else is going to work. This is only to be lived in his strength, not our strength. And so Jesus said, you, you'll be cut off and you, you, we don't do that. But I know people at churches like that today. This church, well, I don't care what we've got. I don't care if we've got disco lights, smoke machines, preaching music. I don't care what we got. We have to have God. You lose the spirit of God in this place, we will die on the vine. That's all you have to have. It's just the Spirit of God. That's why we have to abide, stay connected to Him in that. 
All righty. <clears throat> By the way, one of the great things in, in uh, Romans chapter 11, see like when I cut a branch off like that, the big one I did and throw it away, it's over forever. You know, Romans chapter 11 says, in Romans 11, God talks about being grafted back into the root. You can, I've had friends of mine get far away from God and mess up and just miserable and they used to be excited and God was doing things. For years, they get away from God, bow their hearts, bow their heads, come back to Him and be reconnected to Him. That's called being grafted back into the root. And you can do that. Let me quit with one scripture real quick. Here's what life is. It is just receiving from God so you can give it to people. That's all life is. Let's look in Luke chapter 11 at that picture. I want you to always remember Luke chapter 11 and John 15. Over and over you see this in scripture. But Luke 11 is a great picture. If you ever become a preacher, you need this. If you ever become a parent, you need this. If you ever become anything on this planet, you need this. If you're going to live on this planet, you need this. Luke chapter 11, again, is that passage where he talks to us. It's an entire passage about prayer, about waiting on him. <clears throat> he wraps up in verse 13 by saying, I want you to ask me to give you the Holy Spirit in your life. I want you to ask me to work in your life. But one of the great pictures of how life operates, and many people misunderstand it, is in verse 5 of Luke 11. And Jesus said to them, which of you shall have a friend? Go to him at midnight and say to him, friend... I need three loaves. A friend of mine has come to me on his journey. I have nothing to set before him. There was that's life right there. Before I come in here to preach, I don't get a book of sermons out and pick one out. I go before God and say, I got these friends coming for dinner tonight. I have nothing to give them. I don't have anything to give them. You're going to have to give me something for them. Before I go home to be with my family, I don't go in and say, heck, I know all about being a dad and being a husband. Uh-uh. I go before God and say, I don't have anything to give them. You're going to have to give me something for my family. Life is going before God and saying, I have nothing to give. I can't do this. I can't be a husband, a father, a friend, a businessman. I don't even need to be in public unless I'm filled with you. I have nothing. I've got friends out there. I have nothing to give them. Do you know what this is called? Do you know what it's called when you have nothing to give? What's the biblical word? Humility. What does God do for humble people? He gives special grace to humble people. And this, this is one of the great verses that tells us, just live your life before God said, I can't do this. I, how much convincing do you need since Jesus himself said, apart from me, you can do nothing? How much help do you need there? And just go for I don't, I don't have anything to give. Nothing. Now, a lot of people mess this passage up a little bit here. Verse seven, he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is shut. My children are in bed. I can't rise and give you. And a lot of people read that to say that there's times God won't give you something. No, no, goodness. Quit, quit, find a new preacher. I mean, you keep the one you got, but if yours is telling you that, come here. <laughs> Go back and read it again. Which of you shall have a friend that'll do you this way? Friends don't do people like that. What a friend we have in Jesus. Watch what he says right here. I say to you, though he will not rise to give him because his friend, because of his consistency or persistence, he will rise and give him as much as he needs. I go to God and I say, I don't, I don't know how to be a husband. I can't do this. I need help. And guess what he says right there? If you'll persistently, consistently keep coming back to me, I'll give you everything you need to be a husband. I don't know how to raise kids. I don't have the slightest idea. But if you'll just keep coming back to me consistently, I'll give you everything you need to raise kids. 
I don't know how to be. I'm the only believer where I work. I don't know how to influence those people. You don't need to. You just keep coming back to me every day before you go in that plant or that office and you pray to me and ask me to give you what you need. I'll give you as much as you need to help those people. And as a preacher, I don't, I don't, books are fine. Do you know what you really need to do? Just keep going back to God and just keep saying, I don't have anything to give anybody. We live our lives. What does it mean to go back to God? Could you use the word abide? Just keep connecting with him and he will graciously keep giving. All right, here's the, here's the theological question. Let's all put on our school caps here. How come he don't just give me a tractor trailer load for about two years at a time? You want to know the real answer to that? He gives you one day's portion every day. What did we learn from that bread falling down on the children of Israel? Who is the bread of life? That's Jesus. He said, you get, if you try to make this stretch two days, it'll rot. Having no yesterday's blessing stinks today. I know why he won't give it to us, but one day at a time. I know why he won't. You don't know why? He likes you coming to see him. It's all come on. I'm, that's truth. He just likes you coming to see him. If he gave you a lifetime's worth of grace and power and strength, you'd just drive all over the place. He likes me to come every morning and say, I got the friends I'm going to see today and I have nothing to give them. You've got to give me three loaves. He likes you coming to see him. And he loves to, to meet with you because he's your father. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to quit by saying this. Eventually. <laughs> I got three children. They're grown. They're all out of the house now. I love for them to come see me. I just love from, I'll even feed them for free. I got in trouble for saying that last Sunday. I'll even feed them for free if they'll just come see me. They don't need to clean for me. They don't need to bring me no money. Just come see me. You know what that's called? Our father. That's a father's heart who just wants his kids to come see him and draw from him. And the scripture teaches you and I, life is just receiving from God so you can give to people. That's all it is. Most important thing you'll ever do is not memorize the Bible verses, although I do. It is to learn how to receive from God daily and then just all over people. All right, was I too complicated tonight or were we too deep? Or... Good. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. I hear the heart of God that you give one day's portion every day. Our salvation is given the moment we bow our knee to you, but our daily grace, our daily bread, the strength, the love, the hope, the life, the patience, the kindness, the, the, the joy. We get that one boat load at a time every day. I pray for every person in this room that in their hearts they'll say, what's this thing about connecting with God? What's this thing about learning to let his spirit touch my heart? And they will seek you for that. Father, I don't have a quiet time as discipline. I don't need to do that anymore. I, I don't spend time with you in your words so I can learn things. I go and meet with you because I love meeting with you. I, I come to the garden alone and the voice I hear falling on my ear, it's the sweetest thing in the world. And I just, I love to be with you. I thank you and praise you for this simple, simple parable, simple truth that the way you, the way you minister in the earth is to touch God. And I pray folks never lose sight of this great picture. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Every person in this room could change this world by touching you. I know they can. This church can change this county and this area, this city by touching you. That's what we want to do. I trust you for that. We love you with all of our hearts because you first loved us. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you need prayer, our guys are here and let's come on.